Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. The word says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all, everybody say all, All. not just some of you, not just a couple of you, not half of you, not three-fourths of you, not 99% of you, all, everybody say all. all, all of you agree, and that there be no division among you, but that you would be unified, say united, sorry, not unified, united, in the same mind and the same judgment. I know I'm not the only person here in this room that is feeling a little weary today. I know I'm not the only person in this room who has been dealing with something, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual. A lot of us have walked in this room in it. But I have good news for you today. God wants to restore whatever's going on in your life. Amen? Amen. I believe that today. If you believe that, why don't you put your hands together for a moment. In Jesus' name, help us today, Lord. Give us the strength that we need, God. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. The last few weeks, we have, been, we have been extremely blessed. We've had an incredible revival service with Brother Vinny Azzalini and Pastor Ellis has just brought the word for the last two weeks. Amen? Amen. If you have not listened to Pastor Ellis's messages in the last two weeks, I really encourage you to do so. They challenged us to walk in dominion, to take our spiritual level to another place, another destination. And I I have a feeling today that God wants to do the same thing here in this moment. You see, the concept of agreement is displayed throughout the entire Bible. It was in the beginning of the Word of God where God made an agreement with Abraham. It was at the, uh, the, the middle of the Bible where he makes an agreement with the nation of Israel. And it was in the end of the Bible where he makes an agreement with his church. The concept of agreement is displayed throughout the entire Bible. You see, in Greek, the word agree translates to symphoneo. Symphoneo. It is where we get the word symphony. It means to be in harmony or in accord. I believe today that there are three different types of agreements. The first type of agreement is to give approval to something or permission to someone. Maybe it was against your will, but for some reason you are here today because you approved coming here today. And I know some of you might be uh, questioning why you came here today, because Pastor Ellis is not up here, but he'll be here next week, I I can assure you that. Some of you have contracts that you have agreed to, things that you have signed off on. 
TV shows that you agree to watch. We agree with the friends that we have or maybe the ones that your wife picks for you. And after service, you're going to agree to eat some amazing lunch, right? You're going to choose to go to that place and agree to eat some good fruit. Whatever it is, we put our stamp or approval on it. We agree with that thing. The second type of agreement is an agreement of the same opinion or thought. And for some reason, every time I get up here, I express a couple opinions that I have, and I want to express those with you here today. So if you agree with me, I want you to put your hands together, and if you don't agree, you can just say boo or, or give me a judgment look like you're going to do already. All right, quick test run, all right? Everybody ready? I believe Calvary is extremely blessed with the best pastors in the world. Amen. All right, Pastor Ellis, I'm writing down a couple people I did not see clap. No, I'm just kidding. I believe, and this is going to start getting a little bit more edgy, that Apple is better than Android. I believe that dogs are 10 times better than cats. Oh, I hear some booze. Okay. All right. All right. This one's probably going to irk some people. Here we go. I believe that movies are better than books. Boo, I know. I got it. All right. I'm sorry, but I have to say this one. I believe Gold Star Conies are better than Skyline Conies. I know. They melt the cheese on top. It's just better. Now, the chili, I'm all for Skyline, but the Gold Star Conies are just much, much better. They are. All right, here's one final one. I believe there is a Savior that holds all preeminence, power, and authority greater than any other. Hallelujah. Yes. Acts 4 2, 12 tells us that salvation in there is no salvation, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, to seek, believe that Akal Marat is the name of that Savior. The Hindus believe that Vishnu is the name of that Savior. The Buddhists believe that the Dalai Lama is the name of that Savior. The Muslims believe that Allah is the name of that Savior. But Philippians 2 tells us that there is a name above every name. There is no other name beside it. There is no other name above it. It is above every name that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. If you agree with me, can we just put our hands together and lift up the name of the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, we got that out of the way. We all can agree on something here today. All right, but this third agreement, 
here is one that we are all a part of, but we don't even realize it. Some of us in here don't realize it. This third agreement is an agreement to be alike. An example of this agreement would be my wife and I. We have made a commitment to be alike, to be in union together, to walk, to live, to move in agreement together. Wherever she goes, I am there with her. Wherever I go, she is there with me because we are in accord. And as followers of Christ, we are all in agreement together. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, will you agree with me? Turn to your other neighbor and say, symphoneo. Amen. Amen. In Exodus 2, we find that the children of Israel have were crying out to the Lord because they were in bondage of Israel, bondage of Egypt for over 400 years. They needed God's help. They needed God to be there for them. They said, Lord, we need you. We don't want to be in slavery or bondage any longer. And the Lord responded by sending a leader in Moses. He responded by providing help for them throughout their lives. He helped them as the plagues of Egypt would terrorize the whole country. They were protected. Uh, they were protected from the darkness that fled. They were protected from the frogs, the locusts. They were protected from the firstborn dying. Whatever they needed, God provided for them. He sent down manna from heaven. He sent down water coming out of a rock. He provided for them every step of the way. Even the Pharaoh was swallowed up by the sea. And once they crossed over the sea, not even two weeks later, we find that the Israelites are now murmuring against their leaders. They are now questioning if they're in the right place and right state of mind. And they're questioning even God. Exodus 7, 7 reads it like this. Moses calls this place that they're at right now Massa and Meribah. Massa means temptation, and Meribah means strife. He called it temptation and strife, this land that they were at, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is he here with us or not? Two weeks removed from the Red Sea swallowing up Pharaoh. Two weeks removed from God providing for them. They can walk outside and pick up manna off the ground. They have water for them. They have hope and a promise of a promised land for them. They didn't have to worry because God was protecting them. And as they're leaving this place, they are dealing with some strife. They're dealing with discord. They're dealing with doubt in their mind. And at this moment of questioning, this moment of doubt, this moment of discord, of strife, they're traveling to their next destination. We find another adversary waiting to attack. It says the very next verse, the Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. 
Israel, as a nation, has never fought a battle. For 400 years, they were slaves to the Egyptians. For 400 years, they did not eat in a good place to eat. They did not sleep in a good bed to sleep in. For 400 years, they did not have military training or even pick up a sword to think about fighting back against someone. In less than two weeks, after exhausting miracles that have happened in their life, now an enemy has come to try to approach them. The Amalekites... Just to give you a little recap or insight of who they are. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. And Esau, as you know, sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He did not make a wise decision there. And in the household of Esau was bitterness and hatred towards Jacob and Israel. And guess who grew up there? Amalek. Amalek was taught to hate Israel with a passion, to hate them and to not like them and to take whatever advantage they can to destroy them. And guess what Amalek taught his kids to hate Israel? And guess what they taught their kids generation after generation after generation? See, the Amalekites had no rhyme or reason to build up their nation. They didn't want power. They didn't want authority. They didn't want uh, uh, money or possessions or land or anything like that. All they wanted to do was kill the Israelites and stop the people of God. This was their mindset. This is how they operated. And so we have the Israelites who are now just being free from bondage, free from their oppressor. They have their families with them. They have food for them. They have water for them. And to top it off, there's hope of a future and a promised land. And it it sounds very familiar to where we are as a church right now. We're coming off an incredible revival service. We've had great services where God did amazing things. People received the gift of the Holy Ghost. People were baptized in Jesus' name. Thousands of dollars was raised. There was healings. There was miracles that took place. And God even expanded Calvary's territory. But with the freedom and excitement of the things to come, the Israelites find themselves grumpy, upset, weak, and weary. And the Amalekites, who have been waiting for generations to attack, see this moment. What's interesting about the attack that they try to uh, plan for the Israelites is that they don't try to hit them head on. They don't try to call out to the Israelites, meet us on the battlefield. You bring your best, I'll bring my best. But instead, with the same mindset mindset that they have of hating Israel so much, they saw an opportunity to do a low blow, to sucker punch Israel when they weren't looking. It was as Israel was traveling to the next uh, destination that they saw that there was strife in the camp. They saw that there was discord among them. And guess what happens when there's strife and discord? It means that they were all not together and they were not all in the same mind and one accord. And so what happened was the Amalekites saw that there was people lagging behind. They 
they saw that there was people not gathered up with the group like they should be. And they said, we could take advantage of this opportunity to hit them really hard where it hurts. And so, 1 Samuel chapter 15 reads, it calls it an ambush. Deuteronomy 25, 17 quotes Moses' words to Joshua to remember what Amalek did to you on the way, way as you came out of Egypt. How he attacked you on the way when you were faint, weary, and cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind or the stragglers that were lagging behind, he did not fear God. Oh, Jesus. Lord, help us. The Amalekites did not fight clean. They did not fight with honor. Instead, they chose, they chose to hurt Israel as much as they could by killing off the ones who were falling behind, the ones that were vulnerable, the ones that were unprepared. And I don't know who those stragglers are. Maybe it was the elders who just happened to get distracted. Maybe it was the women and children who just couldn't keep up with the crowd. Maybe it was a leader who just had a bad day and wanted to just hang out in the back. Whoever it was, I want to tell you today, they mattered. They mattered. And this jars me, Calvary, because we are now on the move. You might not be aware of it, but our, our spiritual level is taking it somewhere else. And we are now on the move. And the enemy is not going to hold any punches thrown our way. Pastor Ellis laid so eloquently before us last week the enemies that we will face, pride and, and doubt, and different things that we're going to face head on. But he did not describe the Amalekites who are going to try to see those they can take advantage of and cut them off because they weren't there with the crowd. We all have different talents and abilities and roles, but together we are all a part of the same body. We can't do it without each and every single one of you in this room. If you agree with that, why don't you put your hands together? First Corinthians 12, 12 says, for just as the body is one, say one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 20 says, as it is, there are many parts, yet, everybody say one. One, one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indisposable. They're crucial. They matter. Every single part matters. If it wasn't for a man named Terry who would drive the church van to 4100 Ellesmere Avenue every single week to pick up a 14-year-old girl, I don't know if I would be standing here today. I don't know if Andrew would be sitting back here today. But he had a different mindset that I'm not just driving a church van because there's a couple kids that need to be picked up. But I'm a part of something greater in this life. I'm a part of something that means more because I'm a part of the body of Christ. I rebuke the idea that your role that you play does not matter. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Every part matters. Verse 25 says, 
that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, we all, not just some of us, we all suffer. If one is honored, we all rejoice together. Our job as the body of Christ is to be there for each other. I got a couple amens, but it should be every single person in this room. Maybe you felt left out because they were not there for you in the past, but guess what? Hopefully we can change that around. We all matter, and we're all supposed to be there for each other. If you agree with that, I want you to stand up and worship the Lord for a second. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our lives in this next moment, the next destination that you have in store for Calvary, God. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, you may be seated. When you suffer, when you hurt, when you struggle, we all struggle, we all hurt, we all deal with that pain. When you have victory in battle, we all have victory in battle. Scriptures fill the New Testament telling the church to be there for one another. Romans 12.10 says to be devoted to one another and to honor one another above yourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says to encourage one another. Galatians 6.2 says to bear one another's burdens. Romans 12.16 says to live in harmony or agreement with one another. Romans 15.7 says to accept one another, to forgive one another, to greet one another, to pray for one another, to care for one another, to serve one another, to build up one another. Oh, come on, church. To be patient with one another, to be kind and compassionate to one another, to teach one another, to comfort one another, to be like-minded towards one another, to love one another, to love one another, to love one another, to love one another. another. (laughs) Jesus' name, hallelujah. I'll never forget. It was a time, dark time in my life where I went to church thinking it's going to be my last Sunday. I'm not coming back to church any longer. That's what I said. That was my mindset throughout the service. But God began to work on me. And if it wasn't for a man named Chris Garman who decided to go out and grab me by the hand and pull me to the altar and pray with me, there's no reason I should be here today. But the body of Christ was there for me. I don't know about you, but we need to get over the idea that we can carry every weight in the world. You're not as strong as you think you are. We can't do it alone. I need the body to help carry my burdens. I need the body to encourage me, to teach me, to uplift me. I need the body to love me, not just me, but my family. And every person in this room needs the body of Christ. I care for you all too much to see you fall behind. I love you all too much to see you go through that struggle alone. I love you too much to not reach out to you when I haven't seen you in a couple weeks or when you're dealing with a circumstance. I love you too much to let the enemy grab a hold of you because you just had a bad day or a bad week. Ephesians 4, 16 says, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part of the body is working properly, it makes the body grow. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up 
in love. What's that mean here, Anthony? It means that you matter and every role that you do in this church matters. Listen to me. Saint, elder, when you lay your hands and you pray for one of these young people, you know what that does to them? Not only does it edify the body, but it builds up character in them, it builds up strength in them, and it encourages them because it lets them know someone has my back. Someone's in my corner praying for me. Young person, when you put your hands together and you worship the Lord and you dance before God, not only does it glorify Him and edify the body, but it gives strength and encouragement to those elders who cannot dance like they used to. It gives them strength to know and hope that God has a promise for tomorrow and the next generation is in good hands. Listen to me, hyphen. When you come here every single week and you serve faithfully, not only does it edify the body of Christ, not only does it edify uh, the church and, and give glory to God, it also sets an example for these young people who are looking at you saying, I can serve in the church. There's a greater purpose than this. There's nothing that we cannot do as one body with one mind and one accord, one faith, one baptism, because we serve the body of Christ. And when you began to worship and you began to lift up your hands, it makes me want to lift up my hands. It makes me want to worship because we're feeding off of each other. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. You see, the enemy knows how powerful the body is when there is unity. That's why he will try everything he can to prevent it from happening. Unity has the wonderful ability to soften hard hearts, to crush pride, to tear down walls of strife and division. You see, when we are unified together with God on our side, there's nothing that can stand in our way. We find this to be even true in nature. When things in nature become unified together, they can withstand and defend against the enemy that may try to come attack against them. If you look at the fish in the sea, when one is swimming alone, they are vulnerable to predators that may try to come and attack against them. But there's a reason that over 80% of the fish live in schools. When fish decide to swim together, they realize that they are protected. Safety in numbers. <laughs> Safety in numbers as each member together operates under the united impression that we are stronger than we are alone. Each fish has a role to move together in the same motion as your neighbor and stand as a lookout for each other ready to fight and protect against the enemy. It's the same way that the birds in the sky, the starling birds in the sky decide to fly in packs. Their maneuvers create some of the most incredible displays your eyes can see. However, this spectacle is not for show. 
A peregrine falcon lurks, trying to catch its food, hunting the world's best flying formation team. The giant waves of the starling confuse the falcon, making him unable to lock onto a single target. With each incredible move, each starling shadows seven of its nearest neighbors. The reaction time is under 100 milliseconds, illustrating just how quickly they can respond to one another's flight pattern. They obey three simple rules. Move in the same direction as your neighbor, remain close to them, and avoid collision. And because of that, this formation and unity, the hawk cannot devour its food. There's something about unity that drives the enemy away. It doesn't matter how strong you may think you are on your own. Together, we are stronger. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The musk oxen alone weighs almost 800 pounds. Their hooves are so strong that they can literally break through Arctic ice for food or for water below. And as big as they are alone, as strong as they may be alone, it does not stop the pack of Arctic wolves looking to hunt down the large prey. The wolves plot for days, hungry and waiting for the right moment before making their move. Sounds very familiar, right? They try to create panic among the herd to get the oxen to run so that a young and weak ones would separate from each other. However, if the oxen decide to stand their ground unified, it doesn't matter if it's just two or three, because if two or three agree together, they can fight off even a whole pack of hungry wolves. You see, there is unity, there is power. When there is unity, there is strength. When there is unity, there is hope, there is favor, there is joy. When there's unity, there's peace, and there is victory. Ha. Hallelujah. Leviticus 26.8 tells us five will chase a hundred, but guess how much a hundred will chase? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. We are more effective when we agree, if we can all stand. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. I want to invite... Sister Burton, come on up. If I can uh, get a little help from Brother Shirley. How many love Sister Burton? Man, we're blessed to have Sister Burton here at our church. Amen. Amen. In Exodus 17, verse 9, it says So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of that hill. And whenever Moses would lift up that rod, Above his head, Israel prevailed. But when he lowered it down, the Amalekites prevailed. But if he lifted it back up, Israel 
prevail. You see, Moses was tired. Moses was worn out. Moses was 80 years old. He has been having discord, people questioning his leadership, questioning God. He just lost a couple people who were falling behind. The weight was so much to bear on Moses. It was so much to bear as he sat there watching Joshua fight and knowing that Joshua may be good with the sword and our armies may be strong, but it really depended on how strong he was or she was lifting up his staff. He was worn down. And as his hands began to drop, it says the spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. As his hands began to drop, you see that two people next to him decided to step up. God did not send Moses the strength of Samson so that he can hold that rod in the air all day. He did not send the the angels to help lift the rod himself. Instead, it was Aaron and it was Ur that rushed to the side to lift up Moses. It says in verse 12, but Moses' hands grew weary, so they took the stone and put it under him and sat on it while Aaron and Ur held up his hand, one on one side and on the other side. Aaron and Ur showed up to help him. From this point on, the Amalekites were defeated. Amen? Can I tell you right now that the weight that each of us carry is not just on us individually? Can I tell you, for the last few years, Sister Burton has been carrying the weight of Venezuela on her back. Praying an intercessory prayer for Venezuela, trying to carry the weight for her family. Can I tell you that Brother Huey, I'm so glad to see Brother Huey today, has been lifting up Calvary for over, I don't know, 40 or 50 years of his life. But guess what? He's been dealing with some health issues. He's been dealing with some some weight of his wife and dealing with some weight of the world that he has to take care of himself at being above 90 years old. He's carrying this weight, and he needs your help. Can I tell you, there's people in here today who have lost loved ones in the, in the last few weeks. They've lost loved ones who have been, and it's just, they, they're not supposed to carry this weight by themselves. There are families in here who are praying for their lost loved ones that want to come back to church. And they're carrying this weight all by themselves. And and we're supposed to be there as the body. To help each other. To pick each other up. To care for each other. To edify each other. To encourage each other and to pray for each other. So I want to tell you right now. I want us just to remove any pride in our life right now. If you've been dealing with financial issues, if you've been dealing with anxiety issues, if you've been dealing with depression, if you've been dealing with doubt, if you've been dealing with your job and the weight of it, 
you've been dealing with some physical issues. You've been dealing with a weight at all. I wonder, I wonder if you'd be vulnerable enough to step out in faith. To step out in faith and come to the altar. I can encourage you and tell you right now, you're not going to step up here by yourself. We're not going to let these people right here deal with these issues alone. We're not going to just let them carry this weight alone. Why? Because I love them too much to let them deal with this by themselves. I wonder if a few of us would just lift up our hands and glorify God. And I wonder if some of the body right now would step up and reach out to somebody down here at the altar or in the pews and begin to pray and uplift somebody right now. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.